1: on with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2.
2: Hurricane Dorian downgraded to a Category 3, but still expected to wreak havoc on Florida. We'll have the latest. Plus, President Trump cancels a trip as Hurricane Dorian prepares to make landfall. Meanwhile, U.S. consumer sentiment falls the most since 2012 on trade fears, trade deadline heading into September 1st. President Trump stays defiant ahead of those new tariffs on Labor Day weekend set to take effect on September 1st. All of that... We have a jam packed show, and we're going to lead things off with an all star panel. Mark Ross is here, founder of Caracol Global. Louise Schiavone is here. She's a journalist and senior lecturer at John Hopkins University's Carey Business School. And Ryan Teague Beckwith, a Bloomberg News national political correspondent. The lead story tonight, heading into this holiday weekend. Hurricane Dorian already stirring political storm as Democrats criticize President Trump. That's the headline read from Fox News. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer tweeting out, quote, Our fellow Americans in Puerto Rico and Florida are bracing for a hurricane. President Trump stop raiding disaster funds and work to ensure FEMA is ready to help these Americans, end quote. Ryan, Democrats are criticizing the administration for taking funds from FEMA or trying to take funds from FEMA in order to facilitate Funding at some of these immigration facility centers where immigrants who are here illegally are being held and now this Storm poses significant political risk for Republicans. Can President Trump navigate these political waters? I mean, I think
4: as long as the hurricane response is strong, then it will not make a dent but one of the rules that any governor of a hurricane Uh, state knows and I used to report on politics in North Carolina is don't mess up a hurricane. So uh, if the response is adequate and people are happy with it, then. It will pass, it won't become a political issue.
2: President Trump was asked earlier today, Ryan, about the impacts of Hurricane Dorian. Again, the Hurricane Center, according to the Bloomberg Terminal, is about 625 miles east of West Palm Beach, Florida, as of 2 p.m. New York time. The maximum sustained winds of 115 miles per hour, according to the U.S. National Hurricane Center. And that wind speed means it could be a category three level a Category 3-level hurricane as it approaches Florida. Take a listen to what President Trump said earlier today about Hurricane Dorian.
5: It hit the Virgin Islands, but not as bad as it could have. But it really began to form and form big, and now it's looking like it could be an absolute monster.
2: Ryan, the president has canceled several of his—, tri- or his, his he had a planned trip abroad. Uh, clearly, uh, he is— instead sending Vice President Mike Pence on that international trip. Uh, but clearly he, he wants to be here as commander in chief uh, in order to, to to navigate through this storm.
4: Well, and uh, keep in mind, Florida is a swing state and uh, an important state to his reelection. So um, there's also some interesting research that uh, when a when a storm or something has hit uh, an area, people who are voting will um, sometimes be less likely to vote for the incumbent. Um, because they feel like things aren't going well, and it and kind of tips over to a time for change kind of uh, election. So, um, a smart idea for the president to take this very seriously, both because it's a storm and it's a serious issue, but also for his own political
2: reasons. And just to 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 kind of elaborate even more on that, the center of the storm, the center of Hurricane Dorian, or the cone of uncertainty as they call it, uh, will will hit it sets is according to the path, according to the meteorologist, could strike Jupiter, Florida. That's about 25 miles, 25 miles north of President Trump's Mar-a-Lago resort. And President Trump, again, canceling that planned trip to Poland this weekend because of the storm. 2,000 National Guard members have been mobilized in Florida uh, earlier today. That number is likely to double, double, double. By late Saturday, according to Governor Ron DeSantis, Uh, according to the White House, the governor of Florida has spoken with Governor DeSantis regarding this, uh, and he was guaranteed, quote, all the resources we need, end quote, that according to the governor. And just again to reiterate, folks, Hurricane Dorian could be the strongest storm to hit anywhere in Florida since Hurricane Michael. Hurricane Michael landed as a Cat 5 hurricane, and that cost $10 billion, $10 billion worth of damage. We are carefully following Hurricane Dorian. Coming up, we're going to talk more U.S.-China trade policy, plus a pop quiz. A pop quiz based on Ryan Teague Beckwith's awesome piece, and it really illustrates the the rhetoric of, of former Vice President Joe Biden compared with President Donald Trump. Who said it? Donald Trump or Joe Biden? I'm going to ask my panel, Louise Schiavone and Mark Ross. You can download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find me on Radio.com, iHeartRadio and Spotify. Some great podcasts on there if you're making your way down to Rehoboth this weekend. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. I didn't go to Rehoboth. I went to the Jersey Shore when I was a kid. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1.
1: You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2.
2: I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Happy three-day weekend, folks. We made it. We made it. Uh, And I enjoyed—we're going to do something a little different as we head into the holiday weekend. We've got two all-stars, two regulars on our program. Mark Ross, founder of Caracal Global, a firm which specializes in global communications, and Louise Skiavone, journalist and senior lecturer at John Hopkins University's Carey Business School. Thank you both for being here. We're going to play a little game.
3: Are you Great. ready? Let's do it.
2: Okay, so here's Luis. Are you ready? I am <laughs> okay. waiting. Because I, I know you're competitive, so I feel like this, this, I, I didn't even tell you that we were going to play this game. Ryan Teague Beckwith, who just joined Bloomberg, I think, one month ago two weeks ago two (laughs) feels like a year (laughs) two weeks (laughs) um (laughs) he has this awesome story out on the bloomberg terminal who said it trump or biden they may disagree but they often sound alike so what i figured we would do is say a couple of these quotes go on to the bloomberg to take the full quiz but uh say these quotes and have louise and uh and mark uh compete to see who who said it um And first of all, Ryan, the the genius of this piece is that there's a point to it. Tell us why you did this piece and what point you were trying to make.
4: It just struck me that um, Biden talks a lot like Trump. This is something that first occurred to me when he said, and I don't know if you were going to include this one, but uh, Uh, he
2: said
4: something and I just thought, boy, that really sounds like Trump. Um, and uh, so I started looking for uh, quotes, uh, and and there's a, a wide variety of them. It's not just no, there are. Uh, it's not just like in one way. They they have a very similar, and it's because they're both. I mean, they're four years apart. They both are from uh, the Northeast and and uh, kind of blue collar neighborhoods. And
2: they're going um, after the same voters, no?
4: And it's but it's also just who they are. Right. It's just how they
2: talk. All right, here we go. First question. Ready, Mark? Ready, Luis? Ready.
6: Ready, ready. More ready than you can can (laughs) possibly fathom. All right,
2: who said it? Donald Trump or Joe Biden? Quote, I think I probably have a much higher IQ than you do, I suspect. I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like. End quote.
6: Can we just shout out the answer? Don't shout.
2: One at a time. Luis, who said it?
6: Uh, That's Trump.
2: Mark. I'd say Trump. Wrong. You're both wrong. It was Joe Biden. Joe Biden said that, Ryan. Yes. And he said that uh, he made those remarks responding to a question about his academic record during a campaign stop in New Hampshire, 1987.
6: Ah, 1987. Well, you have to throw in the year. Well, <laughs> surprising for a
3: Delaware graduate to well, say something like but that. But, Ryan, That's it illustrates
2: that, that Joe Biden has been a politician for, for a very long time. Yes. Right?
4: Actually, one of the great books, What It Takes, is about the 1988 elec- uh, election. Which I covered. Yes, and has which uh, I've read <laughs> has has a lot about Biden's campaign in there. All
2: right, ready number two. Who said it? Joe Biden or Donald Trump? "Quote: I'm not sorry for anything that I have ever done. I have never been disrespectful intentionally to a man or a woman." End quote. Mark Ross is laughing. Who said? I'm going to say Trump. Louise, I'm going to say Biden. Louise is right. It was oh Joe gosh, Biden. Biden amazing. made okay. you Do you know Ryan when he made that? When Biden made that comment? I believe
4: that was uh, earlier this year when he was facing uh, criti- criticism of, of his the behavior around women. Wow!
2: So that was the first time. Remember all of the, the stories that we're doing. All right, so Mark, you're losing. I'm Elise losing. Luis is winning, one nothing. All right, ready for number three? Ready, ready. ready. All right, all right. Quote. <laughs> this is this is Ryan. This is actually one of my favorite ones. Okay, who said it? Joe Biden or Donald Trump? Quote. I punched my music teacher because I didn't think he knew anything about music, and I almost got expelled. I'm not proud of that, but it's clear evidence that even early on, I had a tendency to stand up and make my opinions known in a very forceful way. Who said it, Joe Biden or Donald Trump? Mark Ross, who said it? I'm going to say Joe Biden. Louise? I'm going to say Trump. Louise got it again.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's actually a quote from Art of the Deal.
2: That is
4: a quote. Cool. That is
3: amazing.
2: And you know, we, were, we spoke about this earlier, Ryan, on Bloomberg Radio, because you have another piece about Elizabeth Warren's first book, uh, but really the art of the deal captures this president better than anything I've read, because even back then he was really writing in, in one tone. Yeah, I think it, it,
4: even though it was ghostwritten, it still captures a lot of sort of how he presents himself uh, and that anecdote in particular.
2: All right, we've got, time for, we've got time for one more. So are you ready? Well, this, this is, is kind of easy. This one, well, wait, maybe, maybe we've well, we got for time three. for two more. I'm we have two three. more. We have two more. Okay, who said it? Joe Biden or Donald Trump? And Christine Parada, our executive producer, says the loser of this segment is buying pizza oh, next time. So now there's a pizza element <laughs> into it. All right, quote, The press always asks me, don't I wish I were debating him? No, I wish we were in high school. I could take him behind the gym. That's what I wish. Joe Biden. Yeah,
6: that was Biden. I remember when you yeah. said that. Yeah,
2: that's so, all right. So you got one, but now it's three to one. Three to one. All right. That was uh, Biden made those remarks while campaigning for Hillary Clinton in Pennsylvania. That was after the Access Hollywood remark. Yes.
6: There's a, there's a lot of punching and taking people behind <laughs> it.
4: <laughs> and IQs. A very machismo. Kind yeah,
6: of. <laughs> I was
2: a nerd in high school. I was like shy and awkward. I mean. Okay.
4: If you said, meet me be behind the gym, I would have said, great, and then not gone behind the gym.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, last one. Um, ah, well, we have time. All right, we'll do one more. All right, quote, who said it, Joe Biden or Donald Trump? What I'm trying to do is go around from town to town, and I'm drawing as big of crowds, bigger than anybody. Have you seen anybody draw bigger crowds than me here in this state? End quote. Donald Trump. That does sound like Donald Trump. <laughs> It was Joe Biden. Joe wow. Biden. Damn. You got, right? This was a hard quiz. I'm an
3: out of touch elitist. Right.
2: <laughs> Joe Biden made those remarks while campaigning in Iowa in August, and he said those, Four to one. uh, he said those remarks to, to Fox News reporter Stephen Ducey. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that was an exchange with Fox News. It kind of sounds like, like former Vice President Joe Biden likes to kind of, uh, I don't I don't know, shadow Trump or, or what do you,
4: you I just think this is who they this is who they both are. They, they this is how they talk and and how they view the world. And things are kind of a competition and a little bit of one upsmanship. Um, you know, I don't the 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 threats of violence aren't really real, but there is a an element of the like, yeah, you know, getting into it kind of the man in their arena kind of Teddy Roosevelt.
6: Uh, talk you know what i think is interesting about these two guys is that um well well they both sort of claim a blue collar sort of ethos right um and even though trump obviously is not blue collar his his world was very blue collar right Right, the people the the people in the world of construction that's how they are that's their values that's who he hung with and uh joe biden is you
2: know joe biden all right that was fun mark you owe everybody pizza
3: Louise, yes, I'm going to bring uh, some pizza from Michigan. Please. Oh,
6: Pizza from Michigan. Uh, Let's pizza. just go
2: out for drinks, Mark. I okay. can't wait. All right, oh, coming, okay. up <laughs> on, coming up on Bloomberg Off, we're going to talk more politics and policy. We're going to pivot to trade. Joe Biden hanging on to the top tier of the crowded Democratic uh, uh, stage. He's actually going to be debating Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders September 12th in Houston. But it shows, again, that piece, that genius piece by Ryan Sieg Beckwith, just how his political rhetoric mirrors that of President Trump. You can download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio, and you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1.
0: You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time.
1: You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2.
2: Happy three day weekend, folks. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. We are tracking all things policy and politics as we head into this Labor Day weekend where tariffs, tariffs are front and center as lawmakers set to return to Washington, D.C., Next week, Mark Ross is founder of Caracol Global, a global communications firm which specializes, specializes in globalization. Louise Giavoni is back, journalist and senior lecturer at Johns Hopkins University Carey Business School. And Ryan Teague Beckwith, Bloomberg News national political correspondent. President Trump staying defiant, Mark, ahead of the new tariffs and lashing out at, quote, weak. Critics. President Donald Trump, according to the Bloomberg Terminal, showed little sign that he's going to back down from new tariffs on more than $110 billion of Chinese imports that are set to take effect on Sunday. He has blamed American companies for their inability to deal with a trade policy that he said is aimed at reining in unfair players. All right, let's read the tweet. Mark, translate it for us. President Trump tweets, quote, badly run and weak companies are smartly blaming these small tariffs instead of themselves for bad management. And who can really blame them for doing that? Excuses. So, can there be some type of mini-deal between the U.S. and China between now and when the other tariffs take effect in December? Mark Ross.
3: Yes, there could definitely be a deal. Um, Whether or not that'll happen, I think it's unlikely. I have a tendency to believe that the Chinese want to drag this out until the election to make any kind of deal of any kind of sort, whether it's big or small.
2: Louise, I'm I'm looking at the list here of of the 15% tariff on $110 billion worth of of Chinese goods here, and it's going to impact everything from apparel and footwear and other Chinese imports. I mean, these are consumer products. and, and, And when you look at that, is it not going to impact Some some key voters in swing states who are going to notice at a time when there's a lot of uncertainty, there's debate in the economic community whether or not there will be a recession. But could these tariffs start to impact voters?
6: So you're talking
2: about uh,
6: the tariffs on – I'm looking at the same list. So toys, phones, laptops, other products. Yes. And, um, of course, he said that he was delaying the tariffs
2: until December 15th to affect uh, – Half of them. But yeah. on, in September yeah. – uh, this Sunday, $110 billion worth, the first round of tariffs going to effect. You know, I really think
6: that he's – my view is, I don't know for sure, obviously um, – But I I would think that if I were Donald Trump and I were running for reelection – uh, I would want to be careful about this because he has um, core voters that have supported him so far, but if he starts messing with their ability to buy, their ability to sell, um, that could very much affect whether or not they're going to vote for him. Again, you people vote their personal interests. That's why people and what we, you know, and it's, um, I, I don't mean this in a demeaning way, but the uh, people in the flyover states voted for him to begin with, right, um, because they felt that that he was going to return to them the prosperity that they lost during the recession never recaptured during the uh, during the Obama years. You know, to
2: that point Luis Giavoni, I mean, I'm looking at the US consumer sentiment indicator that was just uh that that just came out. US consumer sentiment fell the most in 6 years. US consumer sentiment fell the most in 6 years, slumping to the lowest level of Donald Trump's presidency, as Americans are now starting to express concern about how tariffs are going to impact the economy. This is out from the University of Michigan. Mark Rosnack of the Woods, the University of Michigan. It the, the the sentiment fell to to 89.8 in August from a previously reported 92.1 and 98.4 in July. That so, data was just okay. released. Earlier today, I, I just want
6: to say one more thing about uh, Trump's strategy with these tariffs and how he sort of uh, made that joke uh, during the uh, on that one particular day where the stock market fell over 570 points, and he said, "Haha, it must have something to do with one of the Democrats that fell out of the field, out of the Democratic presidential uh, race." You know, I mean, here's a guy who most of his wealth is in real estate. He has very, very little, I mean, relative to what his holdings are, very, very little invested uh, on Wall Street. So for him to get out there and yuck it up, about Wall Street tanking, is very insensitive to lots and lots of Americans, many of whom have sort of tolerated him. But now, as they see their 401Ks well, being the affected, K,
2: right, right.
6: It's, it's an issue. And if I were him, I'd be really the, careful about it. Louise
2: Giavone is here. She's a journalist and senior lecturer at John Hopkins University Cary Business School. We're talking about the tariffs that are set to go into effect on Sunday... Labor Day weekend, $110 billion in Chinese imports. The tariffs set to rise, starting at a 15% tariff on those $110 billion worth of Chinese imports coming into the United States on apparel, footwear, and other Chinese goods as well. Then another round of tariffs set to go into effect come December. Ryan Teague Beckwith, we're talking about... The, the the recession fears, the slowdown fears, and you can't look at this in just a United States vacuum. Obviously, the situation and the forecast coming out of Europe, Europe impacting on this. President Xi Jinping dealing with other political issues himself related to the Hong Kong protests and whatnot. So it is a global economy. But sticking here in the United States, U.S. consumer sentiment falling the most since 2012 on fears of trade consumer confidence starting to dip though not dipping as much as economists had anticipated what's the political reality for Democrats and President Trump heading into Labor Day weekend as they all campaign
4: I don't think anybody wants a recession um, and I, I don't think that anybody really knows if one happens exactly how the blame will be apportioned or what it might do to upend the political situation. So uh, I think this is all just a very the uncertainty in the market is also uncertainty in the political realm.
2: And we're going to stick with that uncertainty. Coming up, we're going to check in with David Bonson. He's the founder and managing partner and chief investment officer of the Bonson Group, which has just under two billion dollars in assets under management. I'm Kevin Cirilli, chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Panel stays. You're listening to Bloomberg ninety nine
1: This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2.
2: Friday, we made it to Friday, a three-day weekend. Hope everybody's going to have an excellent, excellent sun-filled Labor Day weekend. Maybe you're headed to Dewey. Maybe you're going to Rehoboth, or maybe you're like me, and you you grew up going to the Jersey Shore. I wonder where our next guest will be spending the Labor Day weekend. It's David Bonson, his first time on the program. He's the founder and managing partner and chief investment officer of the Bonson Group, which has just under $2 billion in assets under management. He's ranked in the Barron's Top 100, Forbes Top 250, Financial Times Top 300. He's a guy. David Bonson, we're thrilled to have you joining us. Uh, earlier in the program, we were talking about the fear, really, this this economic anxiety about whether or not there's going to be a slowdown or a recession. Will there be?
5: Well, there always will be a recession unless we repeal the business cycle. So we know that it's coming. The question is when and what you do about it along the way. And And right now, that number... It could be six months. I don't think it will be, but it could be four years. And so I don't think the fact that there will be eventually another recession is very actionable for most investors. The the question is, I think, are we accelerating the path towards the recession with this trade war?
2: All right. So there was a lot of talk, David Bonson, the founder, managing partner and CIO of the Bonson Group. There's a lot of talk in the past couple of weeks about the inverted yield curve, the inverted yield curve and whether or not this is an indicator that we are headed for a recession. How do you translate what's going on with the inverted yield curve?
5: One of the things that you just said is a great word to use—an indicator, because many people are calling it a cause of a recession, and I think that that's a very uh, in, in, inaccurate word. It, historically, if anything, a yield curve has often signified that a, or, or predicted a recession, but it certainly is not a cause of one. What we're to make of it now, well, it's very tricky because there's no question that many circumstances are different. And yet in our business, you're supposed to be very careful about ever saying this time it's different. Um, Look, the global negative yields are absolutely causing a flood of money to pour into United States Treasuries and distorting the long end of our curve. That is causing an inversion, and there is really very little debate about that. Has the Fed been too tight on the short end because of that circumstance? Perhaps it has. But I don't believe that that dynamic is recessionary in and of itself. However, just as I say that, and forgive me for the long answer, but this part is important. The business investment that I think has been driving the economic expansion since President Trump took office is drying up. I believe it is impacting, uh, being impacted by the trade war. And, and so just as much as I actually think the yield curve is giving off sort of a false signal, which, by the way, it's done plenty of times in the past as well. But I do, on the other hand, believe that there are causes fundamentally that we have to keep an eye on, uh, because if you don't get the CapEx and, and the manufacturing and business investment that uh, you were getting before, eventually you get back to that tepid growth we had eight years prior, and that will eventually tip over.
2: David Bonson's on the line, his first time on the program, hopefully not his last. He's the founder, managing partner, and chief investment officer of the Bonson Group, which which has just under $2 billion in assets under management. Let's talk about one of those items that you you mentioned about keeping an eye on, the trade policy. I mean, just this Sunday, those tariffs are set to increase, 15% tariffs, 15% tariffs increasing on $110 billion worth of Chinese, imports. Is this the right time, David Bonson, for President Trump to be uh, adding these tariffs and increasing these tariffs? Or should he should he get to some type of, of short-term agreement with the Chinese?
5: Um, he should get to a short-term agreement. And, and I don't know if he will or not, because at this point, I don't know if the Chinese will. I don't know if they feel that they're in need of it. So we're in a very difficult position because I don't think that the leverage that was previously assumed is really still there the political dynamic is very different in in china the line we've been using with our clients is okay maybe it's doing an economic damage of a 4 in, to america and an 8 to china but a 4 in america politically is a
2: 10 yeah. and an
5: 8 in china uh, economically becomes a zero politically, because, for obvious reasons. So you know
2: that's that's a really I, easy way to understand this because a lot of folks say that President Xi Jinping is just playing a marathon. But I look at the Democrats and I when I when I see Senator Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders leading the pack along with Biden. But when I see Warren and Sanders, they've been advocating for tariffs just as long uh, as as candidate Donald Trump was back you know more than a decade ago on the Oprah Winfrey Show. David Bonson, you've been so generous with your time. I know you're busy. I've got one more question for you. For folks in their cars driving into the three day weekend to spend time with their families down the shore and they're worried about their 401ks, maybe even this is, you know, these are individuals who, you know, were whacked in the Great Recession with their 401ks. Should they be worried or can they enjoy the weekend?
5: They should absolutely enjoy the weekend, and they should never be worried about market volatility. Market volatility is their friend. We ended up down in August 2%. If I had a nickel for every time in my career, we've had a 2% month, I'd have quite a few nickels. (laughs) Uh, The the reality is that volatility is going to be here for a while, but fundamentally strong earnings. If your portfolio is properly allocated, go enjoy your weekend.
2: All right. You enjoy your weekend, too. David Bonson, always an optimist, founder, managing partner, and chief investment officer of the Bonson Group, which has just under $2 billion in assets under management. He is ranked in the Barron's Top 100, Forbes 250, and Financial Times Top 300. Thank you, David, uh, for your time. We appreciate it. Now let's check in with the panel and what's become... One of my favorite segments, Louise Schiavone is here, journalist and senior lecturer at John Hopkins University Cary Business School. Ryan Teague Beckwith still with us, Bloomberg News national political correspondent. And, of course, Mark Ross, founder of Caracol Global. Thank you all for for hanging out with me on this Friday. We're going to do What's on Your Radar, where you tell me what is on your radar. Louise, you're up first. What's on your
6: radar? I want to know if people are going to react to President Trump's move to roll back the requirements on methane emissions. You know, a lot of these violent storms are strongly related to climate change. And uh, President Trump is is a climate change denier. But let's see what happens if Mar-a-Lago gets slammed by uh, Dorian, if he has a different view about respecting the environment. That's what my eye is on.
2: All right. Luis is watching the hurricane and the environmental regulations. I think... Just to be reporter, when I talk to Republicans, they would disagree with your critique, just to balance it out. But that is what's on your radar. Mark Ross, what's on your radar?
3: I'm going to take you across the Pacific. Uh, President Xi of China has been given an additional title. He's the people's leader of the party, which is important because this is the first time the Chinese Communist Party has given away this title since Mao Zedong, which is pretty important. And also- Why um, is that important? Well, it's important because we're on the October 1st will be the 70th anniversary of the official founding of the People's Republic of China. So uh, Xi Jinping wants to go into this next seventy years, if you will, of uh, party rule in China is, is having as many titles as possible and being connected to Mao Zedong. Just like giving it, himself awards. No, but being connected to Mao Zedong, it's a reminder of yeah. you know, the Chinese greatness, the communist greatness. No, but but, but
2: really, the Hong Kong—I I hear you. But the Hong Kong protests are even well, one could argue are even more powerful, and they're still protesting. They're still in the streets, and there's Bloomberg has been doing excellent reporting on this, and our colleagues at Bloomberg TikTok have been doing excellent reporting on this because really these young people who are protesting in in Hong Kong are are standing up uh, against President Xi and uh, and, and it's still going and a lot of folks didn't think they were going to last that long. Good radar. Ryan Teague Beckwith, what is on your radar?
4: I I think this has been something that has been neglected for a while, but legal marijuana, uh, Mm -hmm. left-leaning think tank data for progress, so caveat there, but they have pretty sound methodology on this. Released a survey that found that in all but one state, in the union, that's 49 states. A majority of Trump voters think that marijuana should be legalized. Well, he didn't come is, out for it. That's what I find not, interesting. It's not about yeah. I mean, uh, he's very populist, and you would expect him to be the kind of person who would just uh, see where the majority is and say, "Yeah, I like that too," regardless of whether he pursued it. Um, he's he's not. I think that he's, he has personal views about drug use, which influence uh, his, him on that. The Republican Party. Um, is still not quite there yet. Democrats aren't quite there yet either. But I think being uh, from a state that has gone ahead with this, it's a lot more popular than the political class, I think, realizes. All right, you
2: want to know what's on my radar? Twitter and not President Trump's tweet, Jack Dorsey's tweets. Did you guys hear about this? (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey's account was hacked. And it was hacked and then sent racist tweets. According to the Bloomberg Terminal, Twitter Inc. Chief Executive Officer Jack Dorsey's account sent out a stream of offensive tweets on Friday. and What the company said was a hack. More than 15 tweets. I mean, what? It says a lot about Twitter, in my opinion. It says a lot about Twitter,
6: which is, has has spread so much hatred and misinformation. It's just another example of how Twitter is so not ready for primetime. Well, three three but words all for of- the
4: audience, two-factor authentication. Two factor. If you have to it. Google it, Google it. Or I just feel like everyone can get
2: hacked, and it's just okay. So Twitter released a statement from Brandon Borman, that's Twitter spokesman, and he said, "Yes, Jack's account was compromised. We're working on it and investigating what happened." These social media platforms, folks, it is the sign of the times, I guess. I want to thank our panel, Mark Ross, founder of Caracol Glober, Global, Luis Giavone, journalist and senior lecturer at Johns Hopkins University Cary Business School. And of course, my colleague, Ryan T. Beckwith, Bloomberg News National Political Correspondent. And for David Bonson for checking in with us. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you so much, so, so much for listening. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Drive safe, travel safe. I'm the Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg, and you're listening to Bloomberg 991.